0: As we move into hour number three, we want to talk about one of the methods by which this country is being destroyed. uh, And that is its continued propaganda or the propaganda being pushed, rather, by our leaders uh, over COVID-19. Omicron came and went and now it's BS4 and BS5. I think they call it BA4 and BA5, but I like to be accurate. And that, of course, can be referred to as the midterm variant. Uh, they are working very, very hard to make you afraid, to make you believe that massive numbers of infections are coming, even though there are no hospitalizations attached to it, even though there are no deaths being attached to it. But there's another big wave of cases coming, and it just might be a little bit too unsafe for us to gather in congreg- congregated areas, you know, places like voting voting uh, precincts, ballot, bo- ballot uh, boxes, the polls. Uh, so I think a lot of us can, can point to that with some confidence. Um, One thing that we can't be very confident about is the advice that we get from people like Dr. Anthony Fauci, because if you recall, um, Dr. Anthony Fauci was one of many who said things like this.
1: When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they
0: are not going to get infected. Once people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to be infected. Joe Biden was vaccinated not once, but twice boosted, not once, but twice more and still got COVID. So did Justin Trudeau. So did a whole bunch of other world leaders. Um, Dr. Fauci has no idea what he's talking about. Was that one of his worst mistakes, one of the top five mistakes that uh, Dr. Fauci made when it comes to COVID? Let's ask Stephen Mosher who just wrote a piece about that very question. He is also the author of a book recently released. We talked to him a few weeks back, actually just a couple of weeks ago. It's called The Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics. His latest op-ed in the New York Post reminds us of the five worst mistakes that Aunt, or that uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci made on COVID that have spelled disaster for so many. Stephen W. Mosher, president of the Population Research Institute. Good morning. Good to have you back. How are you?
1: Well, good morning. I'm fine, Bob, and it really... Uh warmed my heart to hear ronald reagan again i wrote a couple speeches for him after he left office in the early 90s uh he was he was a great one um and we we, we play him at the
0: top of we we play him at the top of every hour of this broadcast we have a little clip of ronald (laughs) reagan
1: because i I don't think we can remind ourselves enough of that great american and the great good that he did for this country and uh Yeah, so, and then we have people like Dr. Anthony Fauci, who seem to be working on the other side of uh, good and truth and and beauty and and all that we cherish in this country. Uh, You know, it was really hard to write an article about his five fatal errors uh, because the number of fatal errors doesn't stop at five. It's more like (laughs) 10 or 15. But, you know, I, I had to whittle it down because you're limited in space when you write an article. So I identified, you know, one of them was contact tracing. Uh, failing to protect the vulnerable was another. Closing the schools was a big one. Mistakes on natural immunity. But I think his, his primary error, the, the big one, was funding Chinese labs. That was his original sin, the original pandemic sin, because what did that do? That gave the Chinese Communist Party's bioweapons experts access to cutting-edge genomics technology that enabled them to stitch together the coronavirus in the lab and release it on the world uh, without funding, uh, without the technical expertise uh, from Fauci's labs in the United States. No, he trained the woman in charge of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Dr. Shi Zhang Li was trained at a Fauci-funded lab at the University of North Carolina run by Rob Barrick. She was also trained at the University of Texas Galveston Labs. So she learned her trade here and went back to China and even then was receiving indirectly funding. Through EcoHealth Alliance and, and Richard dayzek and those people, uh, after gain-of-function research was banned in the United States, uh, Fauci decided to, uh, to offshore it to China, of all places. So um, he may he may have been thinking about doing, you know, noble scientific research, advancing the frontiers of human knowledge. But I guarantee you that the PLA bioweapons experts saw this thing and said they're going to. The Americans are going to going to pay us and teach us how to create dangerous coronaviruses in the lab. How stupid can they be, those Americans?
0: Um, we're talking to Stephen W. Mosher, uh, author and uh, and uh, columnist and uh, writer, and um, you anticipated my next question, which was going to be, what did he think he was funding? What was his goal <laughs> through all of this? Did he know that he was going to be funding something that could be so dangerous, or did he have, as you say, noble goals here? Um, do you believe that his his you know his intentions were nefarious from the beginning or did he just have to cover himself after he realized what was being done?
1: Well, I think there's a lot going on in Anthony Fauci's mind that we may never know, but what we do know is this that he was absolutely obsessed with gain of function research and he started doing it, started funding it uh, 15 years ago and people began to say, "Wait a minute, Tony, Uh, You know, your idea of creating monster viruses in the lab that are highly infectious and deadly and then using those to create vaccines against them with the idea that one day you're going to prevent a pandemic, uh, maybe that's not such a bright idea because what happens if your monster virus escapes from the lab? So he was writing in the pages of the New York Post in 2010, articles defending gain of function research. And finally, it was called to a halt in the United States in 2017, moratorium on gain of function research. All right? And what did he do? He apparently went through EcoHealth Alliance and other groups to labs in different parts of the world, including the Wuhan Institute of Virology, to continue this research. So was he just, uh, was it a single minded obsession to do gain of function research? Um, we, we know, I mean, I know very clearly what was in the minds of PLA bioweapons experts because they told us. Uh, they told us back in 2017, the head of the PLA bioweapons program, General uh, Major General Chun Wei, gave a secret speech in which he said that uh, first you have the spear before you can develop the shield. And the spear was the coronavirus. They were talking about weaponizing coronaviruses after the SARS-1 epidemic in 2003, because that was the coronavirus. That was a snake coronavirus. And they thought, wow, this thing is infectious. It's deadly. We can use that to make a weapon. It's in their strategic literature. I can read, write and speak Chinese. They talk openly about weaponizing coronaviruses. They're easy to manipulate because it's only a single strand, uh, not a double strand of DNA. And uh, and they were doing just that. There's a whole paper trail of articles published by Dr. Shijang Li, Lee, the head of the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and other PLA bioweapons experts. Sometimes those articles are actually published with people like uh, Richard Dazek of Eagle Health Alliance or Ralph Berry of the University of North Carolina. And what they were doing was working slowly and steadily using gain-of-function research to make deadly coronaviruses. And, of course, they weren't publishing all their research. They were only publishing the part they wanted us to know about. And there was secret research being done by the uh, bioweapons experts in the PLA all the time. The backbone of the coronavirus that we've been living through pandemic hell with for the last two and a half years was actually a coronavirus-isolated by the People's Liberation Army, registered by the People's Liberation Army. Uh, It doesn't get clearer than that, Bob.
0: We're talking to Stephen W. Mosher, the president of the Population Research Institute, author of The Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics. Um, I want to talk about some of the other fatal errors that Fauci made in responding to all of this, but just the last one on the lab. Everyone has an opinion as to whether or not it was inadvertently leaked from the lab, it escaped from the lab or it was released upon the world as a bioweapon. Which side of that are you on?
1: Well I'm on both sides. I'm on both, sides. <laughs> I'm on both <laughs> let me explain. I'm on both sides because what happened was, remember, you first you have the spear, then you can develop the shield. They had the spear, the coronavirus in 2018, 2019, and they were working on a vaccine. Now they, they weren't foolish enough to use the mRNA vaccine. Uh, that that we have seen in this country. They used attenuated vaccines, weakened versions of the real virus to create an immune response in the human body. And I believe that during vaccine trials uh, in late 2019, that virus escaped, as sometimes happens, you know, when you have a, a vaccine that's not perfect, sometimes you get the actual disease. That's what happened. It spread rapidly uh, through the population of Wuhan. And at that point, Knowing that they had an epidemic on their hands of their own making, they deliberately spread it around the world. They stopped planes from Wuhan from flying to Beijing and Canton and Shanghai and other Chinese cities, but they let planes go to New York, to Milan, Italy, to Madrid, Spain, and other uh, what later became COVID hotspots. They deliberately spread the disease around the world, sort of using like using human disease vectors to do it. Now, I'm not blaming the individual Chinese who were infected. They're victims of the Communist Party's bioweapons program as well. But the Communist Party knew exactly what it was doing in spreading the pandemic around the world. They've done it before. They did it in 1958 with the Asian flu. They did it in 1968 with the Hong Kong flu. They tried to do it in 2002-2003 with the first uh, uh, SARS-1 uh, coronavirus Uh, Epidemic. Fortunately, Canadian intelligence detected that there was a dangerous epidemic brewing in China, and we called China to account for it before it could really spread and kill a million or two million people in 2003. And you know what China said in 2003 when when we pointed out there was a dangerous epidemic happening in China? Uh, They said a foreign agent has released a bioweapon on the Chinese people. Does that sound familiar? That was 2003. the same thing they said in 2020. So we've seen this playbook before. The 58 Asian flu originated in Guizhou province in southwest China. They hid it from the world until it became a global pandemic, killing over a million people. In 1968, the Hong Kong flu originated in China. People in Hong Kong were furious at being blamed for the Hong Kong flu. They knew it had come from, from mainland China, but they The Chinese Communist Party did not notify the World Health Organization, did not tell the world that it had a dangerous new uh, virus epidemic brewing, and and it was allowed to spread around the world. Had they notified us in time, we could have stopped both of those pandemics from, from, from ever starting. That's why I call China the great breeding ground of pandemics.
0: And of course, you can't say that, though, because that would mean that you are being racist against uh, Asian people in America who are going to be suffering no, from a, no, attacks I'm, from people. I'm... No, and of course, I say that I say that tongue in cheek because that's what they say. Yeah. they say. You can't identify the Chinese role in all of this. You certainly can't talk about the history. You can't talk about 2003. You can't talk about 1958 or anything else. If you talk about anything that identifies where this came from, you are being a purveyor of Asian hate and uh, and leading to violence. And that's one of the other elements of this that is yeah. just so insane. Um, I want to talk about. One of the other elements uh, the, you know one of the other mistakes, rather the fatal mistakes that Dr. Fauci made, and that is failing to protect the vulnerable you you talk about the uh, great phrasing here the cascade of corpses in geriatric Italy while the young merely got the sniffles uh, why didn't they focus on protecting the most vulnerable the age the the elderly population um, number one and number two, how do you answer their response? which has been we did try to protect the elderly by getting everybody vaccinated so they wouldn't take it and pass it on to their elderly grandparents and so on and so forth, that protecting the whole population did protect the vulnerable. That's what their argument is.
1: Yeah, but that, that latter-day argument came came after they started backing and filling, after they were criticized for failing right. to protect the vulnerable. Uh, but the, the first mistake, of course, was, was clearly not paying attention to the kind of people who were contracting uh, serious cases of coronavirus, being hospitalized and dying from it. And we knew from Milan, Italy, from the experience there, that it was people in their 70s and 80s and an immune compromise that were at risk and that younger people would get, you know, uh, the flu and get over it in a few days and little kids would get the sniffles and might not even know they had it. So that was obvious from the get-go. Um, the lockdowns, uh, which was a, a fatal error in my view, actually came from from China. And, uh, you know, it's a bad idea to copy anything that China does, uh, because the Chinese Communist Party does not have our best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. And I believe they carried out a very successful uh, psychological operation on us, a PSYOP, if you will, because... When they first hit the epidemic, remember, in Wuhan they were saying, no, it's just a few cases, and there's no human-to-human transmission, they got the World Health Organization to lie for them and say the same thing. And then when it began to spread around the world, and the world became uh, a little bit panicked over it, the Chinese Communist Party spread fear porn, they put out videos. Of people dropping dead in the streets of wuhan they put out videos of corpses lining up in the hospitals of wuhan and they scared people into thinking this is the second coming of the bubonic plague or the spanish flu tens of millions of people are going to die and then they locked down the city of wuhan the province of hubei 60 million people under lock and key and they said that worked this is key They said that the lockdowns had worked, that they had reduced the number of infections and deaths to very low levels. And the communist propaganda apparatus at that point was saying, was just chortling over the fact that there were more deaths in New York City than there were in all of China. They were actually proud of that fact, of that claimed fact, which I think was fiction. I think more people died of uh, coronavirus in China than any other country in the world by far. I think the, the, the evidence shows that. But think of what happened then. They claimed that lockdowns had worked. Who bought that line, hook, line, and sinker? Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Deborah Burks, two very smart people, as President Trump called them, went to President Trump and said, you know, we have evidence that millions of people are going to die in the United States. Uh, we need to follow China into lockdowns. Uh, that was, that was a, major, a major and fatal error for a lot of people.
0: No question about that, and uh, we're just about out of time here. But I, I, I want to squeeze a question in for you on monkeypox. Um, Tedros, the uh, director of the um, WHO, I don't even bother with his last name. Um, he he is calling this a a global health crisis or a global health emergency or a health emergency with international implications. However, it is he phrased it. And he wants social media to crack down on those who are spreading misinformation or disinformation about it. Meanwhile, a ma- I just saw the st- the uh, headline uh, on uh, NBC News: a massive study published in the New, New England Journal of Medicine said that ninety five percent of the cases of monkeypox that have been uh, that have been diagnosed have have been transmitted during sex between men and much of it started in gay sex orgies in Europe In this massive spring Mm -hmm. gathering of gay and bisexual men. It sounds to me like this is a, this is a gay STD yet they are calling it a global virus and a global threat. Um, Can it be both of those things?
1: Uh, No, it's not. It's, it's obviously an STD Mm -hmm. and, and what, what we should be telling uh, people of uh, that orientation is that no one ever died from lack of sex? That you guys ought to back off on the on the sexual encounters for a while and let the the monkeypox die out. Now, Tedros Gebresus, who's not a medical doctor by the way, so I don't say doctor. Not Tedros Gebresus says that uh, that uh, monkeypox is a global epidemic at ignoring ignoring the advice of his own community of experts in doing so. He overrode the commission that was supposed to make that evaluation. So I think in his view. Uh, Monkeypox is probably spelled M-O-N-E-Y, Pox. Uh, he's using it as a fundraising device and, and spreading fear porn to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm not real uh, high on the guy because he's a proxy for the Chinese Communist Party. They supported his ascension to head the World Health Organization in uh, 2017. He's their guy. He carried water for them during the opening months of the uh, COVID pandemic, as you remember, uh, saying the same thing, um, that, that the Chinese Communist Party was saying. Misleading us about the nature of the virus that we were dealing with, and I think that cost lives as well.
0: I think that's very well said, Stephen W. Mosher, the author of the politically incorrect guide to pandemics, president of the Population Research Institute. His article is up right now on AlwaysRight.us, as is a link to that book. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for the time. We always appreciate the insights you bring.
1: Great interview. Thanks